Okay, at this point we have made it to Genesis chapter 20. And we're almost halfway through with the book. And yet God has revealed so much. And the surface has not even been scratched yet. You know, but this chapter, is it's a short chapter, but it has a lifelong message. And what I mean by that is the, the actions of those we have witnessed are, are used or they're avoided depending on what was done in the Bible. And over the years, people look at things that, that they want to pertain to their lives. Yet God gives both sides of the coin to observe. You know, yes, we want to observe the things that pertain to us, but he gave us the things to observe that we don't want to pertain to us as well. And we can only know what a straight line looks like if we've seen a crooked line uh, as well. In the previous chapter of Genesis 19, it was in regards to the uh, destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And Lot, who was Abraham's nephew, and Lot's two daughters were the only ones to survive the destruction. It was because they were the only ones in the city of Sodom that did not uh, partake in the lifestyle that caused destruction in that area. And Abraham, from a short distance, witnessed the destruction of Sodom. And now we come to a point where he gets up and moves from where, he, where Abraham was led. And he finds himself in a, ter- a territory of questionable lifestyles, as Abraham will make known within this chapter. Uh, so the title of this message is, Here We Go Again. And the title will explain itself as we go through the chapter. But as for some uh, beginning insight, we will see that even godly men of the Bible do things that were not pleasing to God. But God is knowing of all things and, and able to deal with all things. You know, because God's not, he's not like a high school teacher that will just pass someone because they're fed up with dealing with the students. Uh, he, he keeps on us until we pass the test. So may the word of God be observed closely, because as it is read, it's also required to be followed. Okay, many agree that if they did what God uh, said to do in his word, they would have been so much better off. And that is very true. You know, so may we find the Lord's will and, and blessing in this short chapter as we go through it. And, and I too can attest to that. I can attest to the fact that if I have also observed and did everything that, that I had witnessed in this cha- in this book. I could have been so much better off in life with so many things. But God's grace, God's grace and mercies are, are so undescribable. On what he allowed his people to go through, you know. And, 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 and to have them survive. And it's and it's an amazing thing to witness, whether it be in my own or watching so many others observing the lives of those in the Bible. We see that it stands 100% accurately and truthful. And and so again, the glory goes to God because it's an amazing thing to see what man does, and yet what God does in order to fix the problems. But again, this, this chapter is really going to touch on the matter of integrity. And, and integrity is something that, that seems to be very far and few in today's day and age. And, and so I pray that again, that, that we will see something here. Uh, that we will see something that, that God can use uh, in, our, in our own lives. And, and, and something that we can use to, to help with others as well. And so again, if you have a Bible, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 20. And and so again, this chapter here is not a very long chapter. 
but it really speaks it speaks a lot of volumes about about the issue of integrity and and how to live and what to do in in regards to things that um that that, re, that require us to be honest and truthful and and if there's anything that I've learned as well and and from witnessing these things it's like you know if you walk truthful at all times there's absolutely no reason why that why we would have to have to fear or have to uh or have to not live with integrity and so as we get started we're going to take a look in Genesis chapter 20 and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 5 to start with and it says and Abraham journeyed from there to to south to the south dwelt between Kadesh and Shur and stayed in Gerar now Abraham said of Sarah his wife she is my sister and Abimelech king of Gerar sent and took Sarah but God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Indeed, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken. For she is a man's wife. But Abimelech had not come near her. And he said, Lord, will you slay a righteous nation also? Did he not say to me, She is my sister? And she, even she herself, said, He is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and innocence of my hands, I have done this. So, Abraham had moved to Gerar, which was uh, which was considered Philistine territory uh, later in the Bible. This this area was about ten miles from what we know as Gaza, and so the previous chapter. As I mentioned, Abraham had witnessed Sodom and Gomorrah burn from a distance as God brought fire and brimstone on the area. So at this point he picked up and uh, he moved up and came to this area. And round two came as Abraham moved somewhere um, that was ran by a ruler that would have taken Sarah and, per- and put her into his harem. Uh, which a- is a living quarters for king's wives or for female possessions. You know, Abraham was was kind of reminding her, saying like, Okay, Sarah, you know the drill. As soon as they see you, they will want you, and they will kill me. So, we're just brother and sister here. Now, I'm sure questions have been thought as someone sits along uh, reading this on their own. You know, if he knew this would happen, why go there? And if he experienced this before in Egypt, why would he do it again? Well, we can ponder it until the next millennium, and we will never really know why, because it never said. But what we do know is that when when man messes up, only God can clean it up, and that's what he did. Now, what's interesting is Sarah is about 90 90 years old, and when the event happened in Egypt... Uh, she was in her 60s, uh, but she was extremely attractive, it said uh, in the Bible, that, that Pharaoh's daughter was even bragging about her beauty when they were there in Egypt. So I'm sure that she had plenty of worries about the guys at that time. Uh, but what was amazing is the protective provisions of God, even on those who did something that wasn't right. Now, God will never allow someone to get away with doing things wrong. And especially those who belong to God. But he always watches out for us. You know, if you have children uh, that do something wrong, you are very quick to deal with them. And you may at times be, be very disappointed, of course. But if someone does something else to them, someone else does something to them, then you step in because you love them. 
And that's exactly what God does. You know, to hear God himself say uh, to Abimelech, you're a dead man, that is a definitely, uh, definitely a serious matter. Uh, okay, now people have made those kind of threats before to, to other people, and not always does it come through. But God appoints man's birth, and he also appoints the day of his last breath. And this event, by taking Sarah as his own, would have interfered with God's plan as Sarah was to have a son with Abraham. God made known that nothing will stand in his way. But we will see the term of a God-fearing man in the next verse. In verse 6-10, it says, And God said to him in a dream, Yes, I know that you did this in the integrity of your heart. For I also withheld you from sinning against me. Therefore I did not let you touch her. Now, therefore, restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet. And he will pray for you, and you shall live. But if you do not restore her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. So Abimelech rose early in the morning, called all his servants, and told all the things in their, in, in their hearing. And the men were very much afraid. And Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, What have you done to us? How have I offended you, that you have brought on me and on my kingdom a great sin? You have done deeds to me that ought not to have been done. Then Abimelech said to Abraham, What did you have in view that you have done this thing? So it's pretty sad to see twice now that, that pagan rulers... That pagan rulers asked a man of God, Why did you do this? And better yet, why did you bring this sin upon us? Now, that should have stung just a little bit. And it would be like a mass murderer asking a normal law-abiding citizen, What is wrong with you? You know, your next good decision in life will end up being your first. Now, if that were to happen, that would have to definitely be on, on your wall of shame moment. But again, you know, the grace of God exceeds any understanding, and it exceeds above any foolish act. Which is why I bring up that many see the New Testament as, as a book that's showing, uh, that shows like more of grace than the Old Testament. And it does. The, the, the New Testament is very much a, a book of grace. But to say that the Old Testament is not a book of grace is completely off base. You know, God has shown mercy to so many. And, and he's shown mercy to some, some heinous things. And it's amazing. It's amazing to see. I can't wait to go through those things. But we're seeing just one example here. So if anyone says the Old Testament is not of grace, well, that is a false, a very false statement. Okay, it's about as false as a cheaply made mannequin. <laughs> Abimelech was pleading to God as he should. That, hey, I never, I never touched her. Well, God exposed that. That, yes, I kept you from doing so. See, the women in a heron were not chosen to pick out from the batch to have tea with the king and then talk about current events here. Okay? If it, if it were not for God, Abimelech would have had his way and adultery would have been in the life of Sarah and Abimelech. And when we look at the word integrity in the Hebrew, you know, there's three different words for, uh, for integrity in that language, which is uh, t uh, tamim, tom, and tam. And all, they all have similar meanings. 
uh, being blameless, uh, sound or wholesome. But in this verse that we just read, it was uh, it was the Hebrew word tam, which means wholehearted and morally innocent. And what Abimelech was claiming to be, of course. But God exposed it, that it was his hand that kept him at bay. In which, again, glory to him. You know, when people complain that God has never done anything for them, uh, my question to them is, is that, well, are you truly his? Are you a part of one another with God? And, and in re- ancient Roman uh, culture, you know, when they adopted a child, uh, that child was treated just like a child of birth when it came to their inheritance, when it came to love, protection. You know, the mindset was that you were just as much mine as a birth child. And God does the same, but loves us more than the adopted child of Roman culture. You know, God exceeds all things that man does in good deeds. Sarah and Abraham were of God, which is why we see the protection and the provisions. God called Abraham a prophet, which is the first time that we see the title of a prophet in the Bible. Well, Abraham, he ends up coming clean on why he did it. You know, we know God loves true confession here. But again, like I said, there are many lessons to be learned here in in, in these aspects. So let's go ahead and take a look here uh, what Abraham, Abraham had to say for himself in verse 11 through 13. And Abraham said, Because I thought surely the fear of God is not in this place, and they will kill me on account of my wife. But indeed, she is truly my sister. She is the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. And she became my wife. And it came to pass, when God caused me to wander from my father's house, that I said to her, This is your kindness that you should do for me in every place, wherever we go. Say say of me, he is my brother. So Abraham comes clean uh, about his relationship with Sarah. Yes, she is a half-sister. So he figured half-sister, half-truth, I suppose. You know, again, I mentioned Abraham's choice to go somewhere and stay there, knowing there was a fear of what was mentioned here. You know, I, I would be, I would be killed, and Sarah would be someone else's. Why go and stay? And Abraham mentioned that that God called me to wander from my father's house. Now, when we first heard the call of Abraham, God called him out of out of Ur, which was what we know as Iraq. That's the area that Abraham was originally from. And on the way, they stopped halfway where his father had passed away, and then they came to Canaan. So they were at a halfway point between the land of Ur and the land of Canaan, where where Abraham was called to, and at some point, they had stopped halfway. Okay, so looking at the word wander, it's normally used as a way of a, a lost man uh, in different Hebrew ter- terms. Uh, Abraham was given a destination, and he made it there in, in due time, so the account given to Abimelech sounds like there is more than meets the eye in his explanation. You know, If you've been listening along uh, to other messages in Genesis, I've mentioned the appreciation of the Bible because of the, the honest documentation of people's downfalls. This chapter has been a definite life lesson chapter on things not to do. But reminding us at the same time that God is watching and knowing of all things. And that the Bible is not some fairy tale that speaks of of greatness and, and, and perfect people. 
it takes us into places of reality. That, that one of the greatest men in the Bible, the patriarch, did things that were not that were not good in God's eyes. And we can see that we don't always understand situations, but it doesn't mean that God won't intervene when we least expect it. This shows the power of God and who God is. You know, he will intervene when you least expect it. Abraham was an example uh, of a famous passage in Romans chapter 8 that says that if God is for us, then who can be against us? You know, but this chapter is not a, uh, a condoning anyone to go on their own uh, free will and do something of this nature. This chapter doesn't... Um, doesn't say to go ahead and do this stuff because you're going to be fine. Many, many of uh, uh, purposely done things with the mindset that I'm going to get away with with this because I'm in I'm in God's favor. Well, that has completely backfired on many. You know, being in God's favor means doing well and obeying His ways and commands. That's being in His favor. You know, He shows mercy. Though that's that's the thing, he shows mercy, and and, and the thing is, is again, is that to never throw stones, especially at somebody uh, like Abraham, who was the chosen patriarch. All this does is show that Abraham was a mere man, just like any of us. He was chosen, but the difference was is how close he walked to God, and yet the Bible shows that nobody is perfect. That we all have something. But again, when we have an advocate, when we have a help, we have an advantage. Because there isn't one who walks on the face of the earth that is without fault or without sin. And though Abraham was great, and though Abraham was chosen, we've seen twice now that this had happened. And, and so, when we look at the life of Abraham, the first time he did it, yes, Abraham uh, was in the earlier stages of his walk with God when Abraham had decided to move to Egypt. And the first time when Abraham had decided uh, to come up with the, with the scheme that, hey, the Pharaoh is going to want you because of how beautiful you are, and if they find out that I am your husband, they will kill me to have you. Well... God did end up putting a plague on on the land. And and so in this case it was a little different because God came and spoke to Abimelech, but he ended up plaguing Egypt, which we don't know exactly what uh what the plagues were because he ended up plaguing Egypt again when they uh enslaved the Israelites uh some hundreds of years later in the book of Exodus. But it's amazing, again, to see the, the grace and mercy of God, the, the unmerited favor that he gives to, to those who walk closely with him. But once again, again, I, I love to clarify that it does not excuse anybody to do what they want to do, thinking that we're going to get away with it. In fact, sometimes, they, sometimes those who walk closer with God are, much, are hit much harder, because there's an expectation. Once we know what he wants... Once we know what he's commanded, there is an expectation. And that's, and that's where the danger lies. But again, the, the advocate that we have in him is much stronger than anything. But there is a requirement once we've seen we're required to be doing of it. So let's go ahead and take a look here in verses 14 to 18. Then Abimelech took sheep 
oxen and male and female servants and gave them to Abraham and he restored Sarah his wife to him and Abimelech said see my land is before you dwell where it pleases you then to Sarah he said behold I have given your brother a thousand pieces of silver indeed this vindicates you before all who are with you and before everybody thus she was rebuked so Abraham prayed to God and God healed Abimelech his wife and his female servants then they bore children for the Lord had closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah Abraham's wife that's definitely an interesting end to a chapter so again I mentioned the outlook of grace in the Old Testament and we've seen once again that as Abraham and Sarah were always in the graces of God Yet God showed grace to Abimelech and the kingdom by allowing childbirth to continue. You know, while Sarah was part of the harem, uh, there was a danger of sin. You know, of Abimelech having sexual relations with Sarah. God allowed the situation to change and not to harm Abimelech. Sinful acts brought into a place of any kind affects others around us. You know, we can eat a poisonous mushroom with the intentions of, hey, it's just a mushroom and it's harmless. But it does not stop what will happen in your system or in, in other people's system that you might have fed it to. You know, again, this chapter was very enlightening on the issue of integrity. The issue is always the lack of integrity normally. You know, we're, we're having integrity does, does, does nothing but profit the person and those who are surrounding them. Abraham can attest to both sides, as we've seen, the benefits of having it, and the downfall of not having it. The hard thing to realize is the nature of man, and the sin within a human life. Everyone has a vice or two, but if we don't approach God with it, then, then we will remain in the same place, and we'll only decline in it. You know, it's amazing what people will do for the sake of their own well-being. When it comes to money or position, power, uh, keeping of possessions. Integrity seems to go right out the window when, when some of these things come into the picture. You know, when Abimelech gave Abraham the thousand pieces of silver and said, Take, take what you want on the land, it was, it was recognition on God and his power. Not the fear of Abraham, but the fear of God. You know, those who walk in integrity can walk humbly, but stable as God protects those who do so. It allows us to have a clear conscience as God provides guidance and direction. And most importantly, it's the integrity in a person that the public cannot see as it is displayed behind closed doors. And God himself sees rather than those around you. Yes, God wants his people to be seen doing good things, but he doesn't want us doing it just to be seen. Now, we, we can't obtain these things on our own. But only through the transformation of receiving Christ as, as in His salvation can we witness these, in, these things in our life. But more importantly than just uh, focusing on the things of now in our lives, but, uh, but of obtaining the new life and eternity with God who loves all people because He sent His only begotten Son to die for the world. And if you want him, there's only one way there's only one way to receive him, and that is through through the receiving of prayer. But again, 
When we receive the Lord, I think one of the many dangers, I think one of the many dangers people forget to realize is that when we receive the Lord, He doesn't require us to stay in our same ways and and to be doing the same things. In the previous message, I did mention that, yes, it mentioned that God does love us just the way we are. But He loves us way too much to leave us this way. And, and so when we receive God and, and as our, and the Lord, our Lord and Savior, when we receive Him in our hearts, there is, a, there is a requirement to change. When we see the word repent, the word repent means to turn back. So when we look at our lives, and we look at our lives when we have received Him, have we, have we truly had the heart transplant that is needed? Or do we just continue in the status quo of things? Do we receive Him in the form of a, of a foxhole, uh, I'm in trouble demeanor? And then as soon as we receive Him, we go right back to where we were at. And my friends, that is unfortunately a very dangerous place to go. Because God knows the truth in every heart. After all, He knew what Abimelech was going to do. And He was able to prevent him from doing so. When God created man, He he created us in His image. And the Bible says that he knew us before that we were before we were even in the womb. So I'd like to think that he knows every single thing we're thinking at any single time. He knows anything and everything we're going to do. Nothing is hidden from his sight. Because we unfortunately have the demeanor of out of sight, out of mind. So I want to invite you again, if you want to receive him as your Lord and Savior... Because even if you don't walk with him, he does know what's going on. Nothing is hidden from his sight. But I would rather be in his favor. I would rather be in his good graces. And again, just because we receive him, it doesn't condone us to go ahead and do what we want. That we're going to have a free pass. Because a lot of, a lot of people... A lot of people, when they receive the Lord, over the years, they they like to ask what they can get away with. When we should be asking, what more can we do to be pleasing God, more so than what we could get away with. So, the the, the whole goal of a voice in the distance is, again, to equip the saints. And to lead those to the Lord. And, And so, may you... In the truth of your heart, receive him now. If you are willing, just to go ahead and say this prayer after me. Dear God, please forgive me, Lord. Please forgive me of my sins. Father, I confess to you, Lord, that I am a sinner. And Lord, I ask of you to cleanse me and wash me of my sins, Lord. Father, I want to thank you, Lord, for having me. Lord, And I receive you, Lord, as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you for sending your only begotten Son to die for me, Lord, on the cross. So, Lord, I receive you now in my heart, as I am now yours, Lord. And, Father, I love you, and I praise you. In Jesus' precious name I pray.
Amen. Well, as always, it's a pleasure. And it's an honor to be of service to anybody who's listening. So I pray more than anything that if, uh, that if, if you did not know the Lord, that even in this short little chapter, you got to, to have a little more of a glimpse of Him. But again, it takes much more than just a, the, just a book or two in the Bible in, in order to, to, to show the true, the true heart and works of God. We're going to have to go through the whole thing. But the Holy Spirit will work in you now. So if you received him, I want to congratulate you for the greatest decision you've ever made in your life. May God keep you. May he bless you and watch over you always. God bless you.